Boom! We are live, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen and ladies. Hope you all are having a fantastic week. Uh, so far this week, I've had a few things I've had to take care of, but it's been a great week so far. Dean, how are you doing, partner? How's your week going? I'm doing good. Thank you. Um, I'm getting better, and my week is going okay. I've just been kind of chilling all week. Yeah, uh, if, for those of you guys who did not know, uh, Dean was a little under the weather. Uh, explain to me what that was like, Dean. I, I have never had that. My bus driver actually, uh, I've always been confused between the difference of how serious uh, a cold is versus, because some people say they have pneumonia when they don't. It's just mm-hmm. really bad cold or something like that. So uh, take me through it, Dean. What, how has it been? What was it like? <laughs> okay. Well, it, was, um, it just started out that um, I was having difficult breathing and catching my breath, and, and it just seemed like I couldn't control my cough when I could control it. It just right. coughing nonstop. So I was afraid I might have contracted COVID somehow. So I made an appointment with the urgent care to go in and get a COVID test. Yeah. However, after taking vitals and stuff, they said, well, we're pretty sure you don't have COVID, but you got something else going on. So. They said, it's not COVID, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> not because COVID. I, I took, I took yeah. the COVID test anyway. Right, uh, right. To make sure. And it was negative. But, um, Good. Okay. However, uh, they took an x-ray of my lungs and, and noticed that um, they were filled up. So I, I had pneumonia, and I've been taking breathing treatments, have an insulin. In uh, in the inhaler, and yeah. taking some antibiotics toward um, relieving that, and I, I'm feeling better. I'm on the mend. I'm not there yet, but I felt definitely good enough. I could go today. I know I, right. I knew I couldn't go Saturday. It was just going to be impossible. Yeah, you're still <laughs> on the pitcher's mound, as they say. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Dean, my my, uh, my grandmother has asthma, and you know I'll say this to folks out there. Um. When you uh, play in the NCAA, they, it, I mean, in the Iowa uh, stories, they ha- or for the football stuff, uh, one of the biggest things was testing. So you can't outright take, you know, uh, steroids. I mean, some people still do. I won't deny that, Dean. I mean, people still do. Um, but uh, one of the most used substances at least for water polo and for swimming are inhalers because it's still a steroid. Uh, and oh. for someone who does not have, uh, you know, asthma, I mean, it lights them up, Dean. It really does. Um, <laughs> I, listen, I, and I only did it one time. I did it uh, in high school for a swim meet. And I know that to be true. Uh, but, uh, I just did not feel good about myself when I did that. So, but it's true. I mean, it, it, it makes your lungs just, uh, light up like crazy. So yeah, I mean, Dean, we, we have been hoping the best for you. We're happy that you're on the show today and there's a lot of news. We have the basketball stuff, which, you know, just, uh, for me, I, I think I want to do the basketball stuff separately, maybe get into a little bit of basketball <laughs> stuff today, but most of it separately, but just right off the bat, uh, I didn't even know this because like I said, folks, I've been, uh, you know, busy with a lot of things, uh, but the Iowa Hawkeyes, the, or excuse me, the, the ex Iowa Hawkeyes Dean 
pulled the $20 million demand. Uh, I don't know if you saw that or have seen that. Uh, I'm just going to read a little, like the first paragraph real quick. Uh, The attorney representing eight black former Iowa football players who allege racial discrimination during their time with the Hawkeyes has withdrawn his client's demand for a $20 million settlement. So that would have been around $2 million for each player. Mm-hmm. And well, plus, you know, 2 million or, or so for, for the attorneys and told the university, he will move forward with a lawsuit. Uh, Demario Solomon Simmons, a civil rights attorney in Tulsa, Oklahoma laid out his plan in a letter dated Tuesday to the Iowa solicitor general and university's general counsel. Um, so there it is. Uh, we have been spot on about this theme. I, I said, uh, and first, folks, I always get too jumpy with the show. I always forget to mention 247hawkeye.com. Can't forget to do that. <laughs> also, Twitter, at 247hawkeye. Uh, you can find uh, our comments for each Iowa game, you know, updates, scores, and things like that. But, uh, you know, just really quickly, I just wanted to hit this right off the bat because at the time, Dean, this was a big, big story. It, it was a massive story that kind of just seemed like the culmination of everything and uh but but uh at least myself and and i believe yourself as well uh you know i stood very strong with the fact that i did not think that this was going to go anywhere you know as i had said iowa doesn't even have enough money to pay for four other programs right now uh, you know, the, the university is raising money to have some of those sports come back. So this was not going to be a thing that they were going to just let happen so easily. And then on top of that, you know, you have to have, uh, ju- you know, decent cause or just cause behind you before you really, because, uh, you know, a, a, not a lawyer, but a judge has to uh, look at the, at the uh, uh, the lawsuit or or whatever it is, and and say that yes, this this does seem credible enough to move forward with, and I just didn't believe they had that, Dean, especially with the you know as as middle of the road as it could have been mm-hmm. uh, investigation, and uh, you know, so there it is. I mean, what are your thoughts on this, buddy? Well. They with they did withdraw the um, twenty million dollar thing, but they're still going forward with the lawsuit. So right, uh, it's not over. I, I just it just now maybe gives a little room for Iowa to negotiate a, um, a a settlement with these guys. I don't know if they should go to trial or not. I don't know. I would love to see it to go to trial because you know they have to remember that it works both ways. That. Right. Justice works both ways. Yes. Yes. That, you know, if they release the records for uh, Iowa, then they have to release all their information, too. And right. And uh, point might expose some things about them that they don't want publicly exposed. I don't know. That is a fantastic point. I am so happy that uh, you said that because that's that's 100 percent the truth. Um, now here's my opinion on it, you know, on that specific thing. Uh, I don't think that exposing certain truths of the Iowa Hawkeyes, 
uh, I think that the, exposing certain truths for the Hawkeyes would be far more damaging for the players because uh, the players, for the, for whatever reason, fans will hold on to their support of former players for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we even still see people, uh, and, you know, I mean, by the letter of the law, O.J. Simpson is is not guilty. Uh, but, for, you know, if you take a poll, 95% of the Americans believe that he's guilty. Uh, but still, you know, there have been a lot of fans that held on to their belief that he was an innocent man and things like that. Uh, and, you know, a lot of the harm uh, went towards... Well, that's an entirely different situation, but I'm just using the love that people had for O.J. Simpson towards this. And that's just the way it goes. You know, people support the players a lot. That's why I usually hold the position that I support the team first and the players second because, you know, young men and and men and women will always let you down in some way. And so it's just easier to support a team than it is now. You have to call a spade a spade either way, Dean. So mm-hmm. if one, you know, if somebody does something wrong with the team, you know, that's that's certainly something to call out. If somebody does something wrong as a player, that's cer- certainly something to call out. So this is this is an interesting story. And overall, Dean, I agree with you that I actually would like to see this move forward because I think the Hawkeyes. Uh, the University of Iowa were as open and transparent about this as as uh, a university can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, uh, you know, if I'm being completely honest, I don't want these players' uh, lives ruined. I don't. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. It, part of me feels that if they went to – trial and and things were opened up about these players and you know they were shamed and things like that that maybe it would deter other players from doing it but then another part of me sees how that would not be true so this is just one of those things where we got to see it play out and it's going to be interesting being to see what happens do you think that any of this shows um that do you think that this shows that the Hawkeyes are, are steadfast in their response of, of not paying the money and where they currently stand with the coaching staff? And it, it does seem like they feel that they have been, uh, in other words, not partisan to any type of uh, racial group or anything like that. And they feel strongly about that, that they are, that they haven't really done anything wrong. Do you think that this shows their position stronger or, or what? Um, I don't know if it shows their position stronger or not. I know that, you know, Iowa can't afford, like you said, to spend the $20 million. And so, um, <laughs> yeah. but I also don't know if they can afford to have leaked out what's private behind the walls that we don't know point. about. Uh, I mean, like like the report this summer, there was a private part of that report that recommended, you know, certain things for four personnel who they believe were. Right. Um, I don't know if they used the word. I don't know if they ever used the word racist against Iowa. I think they used the terminology that Iowa might have been a little overbearing. Racial discrimination. Yeah. That, they, that has been the word that has been used a lot. Right. Yeah. 
And so, uh, there's, there's, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, there's a private part of that. I, I don't know if Iowa wants that made public. If, if, if this goes forward all the way to trial, it's going to get public. And right, um, it's going to get very public. You know, so I, I, as much as I hate to hear it, um, I want to see the university vilified in, in their response to all this. Because I don't know if racialness took place or not. I don't know what going on, but because some of those guys that are um, on on board with the, out of this eight or were really good players who had good things to say about Iowa when they left and actually finished their careers at Iowa. Not all of them left early, and not all of them, you know, a lot most of them left because of playing time. Correct. I mean, well, at least we thought of right. playing time. You know, right? Well, it, here's the thing. You know, it's it's for 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 you and me. The easiest thing is just to look at all the evidence up until now, mm-hmm. everything that we have known from the past twenty years, and everything with the investigation. Uh, you're absolutely right that there was a private aspect to it, but the but in my opinion, uh, it, if there was a private aspect to it that was any that was anywhere close to uh, being damning uh, in the future, I think uh, uh, Gary Barta would have moved on and, and moved on from the coaching staff uh, because there, there was really no, uh, because he would have had the reason to move on from him with that private thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And uh, it also would have ruined his career had he stayed with the coaching staff and then, uh, you know, the information would have came out later. Also, for us fans, we did see the investigation. And, you know, most people, if they're trying to be as unbiased as possible, you know, uh, were there tough things to hear? Maybe so. But, uh, it, you know, in its, in its best context, uh, you know, most of the thing was that some of the players were coached uh, harder than they wanted to be coached. And that's fair. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, what we know, all I'm saying is what we know is the investigation, uh, what came out with that. Uh, we know the stance that Gary Barta has taken. Uh, we now know that, uh, that they are pulling this $20 million demand. Uh, and, you know, Dean, uh, he says that they're going to sue moving forward. I mean, I just, I don't really see it. You know, I think that this has been, uh, I don't think that this has been good for the, especially guys like Kevontae and Martin Manley and Akram Wadley, guys who stuck their career out with the Iowa Hawkeyes. And, and I always say this, Dean, when, uh, when I talk about players that transfer, I always say that, I, that if it were me, I would stick it out or, or quit because, or, you know, or quit and stay with the university because staying with the university has lifelong, long-term um, great aspects to it that will help you future in, your, in the future of life. Uh, and so the guys who stayed with Iowa, Akram and, and Kevontae, and I'm sure there's a couple more, uh, but most of the guys transferred, you know, the bottom line is this just has not looked great for them. Uh, and, you know, I guess we can say that Gary Barta, or not Gary Barta specifically, but the University of Iowa called the bluff on the $20 million. We know that to be true probably now. 
Uh, so we'll see what moves forward. Uh, do you have any last thoughts on this, Dean? Yeah, I, the reason I, I just think that, you know, if the university also settles, it, it, bother, it bothers me if they do decide yeah. to settle because it's almost like a mini me guilt. Yes. So I'm going to use an example um, while we're on the, the subject of players leaving. We have four players who have entered the on transfer portal, current players from the last two weeks. In an article, Kurt Ferentz said yesterday on his news medium, um, they, on his news conference yesterday, that he has talked to all four of those players, and the common theme there that they left is the reason why they're leaving was because they wanted more playing time that they weren't getting. And so yeah, I, I, mean, I always thought that the reason why some of the other players left was because of lack of playing time. We all thought it was lack of playing time because Correct. the ones that left weren't really playing that much. And, yes. and, um, and so I think maybe now I was using exit interviews to get them on record on the reason why they left. And, and if, if indeed that they were leaving, Which is because smart. If they that's were, very smart. Yeah. And if, if they are indeed leaving because of racism, then at least they have that on record against them too. But, um, but yeah, this way Kirk can say, Hey, look, this is why these guys left. They can't come back and sue me. We encourage them to stay. You know, yes. And Kirk even yes. said that he thought they made a little bit of emotional decision to leave and they probably should have stopped and thought about why they were leaving and, and really think it out before they left. But he was disappointed and he said at least two of them guys were making progress toward playing time. Yeah. Um, those two guys, if I had to guess, would either be Shadrick Bird or and Calvin Lockett or Shadrick Bird and uh, Jamari, or not, it wasn't Jamari Harris. It was, um, he was a corner, uh, Daron McKinney, uh, who had been talked about as a freshman. Here's the bottom line, folks. Every individual is different. Uh, and every decision to transfer is emotional. Uh, it takes a very, very mature young man to look himself in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm not just not playing here because I'm not ready. I probably would not start or play anywhere else because I'm not ready. Mm -hmm. It takes a very mature person to know the, your, the, the, the things that you lack. And so what then happens is you start looking for other places, other things to blame. This is not saying that some of the accusations uh, cannot be true. Uh, they most certainly can. As of right now, that just has not been the case. But uh, in this situation, I'm just saying what I have known and what I have seen uh, from personal experience, the decision is always, 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 always uh, emotional. Rarely have there been situations. Uh, the only situations, Dean, that I can say uh, are are not emotional to transfer are like a Jack Heflin mm -hmm. or a Michael Sleep Dalton, uh, where they are leaving a school after having playing time, going to a different school to show their skill at another level mm -hmm. so that they can continue playing. That is when the decision is more uh, business, methodical, uh, than it is emotional and, 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 under pressure and distress because a lot of times these kids 
and I remember when I was in school, there was, a, there was uh, this one particular overseas kid who literally thought that every game that he did not get a lot of playing time, that his scholarship may be pulled. That's just how he viewed things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got to be honest, I see some of these players, they view it much the same way that the possibility of them losing their scholarship or, or just they put so much pressure on themselves. And so when things aren't going their way, it's just, it's just, it's tough. It's a tough situation. So in other words, it's a very emotional decision. And so we'll see what happens. Um, but moving on folks, we got Iowa versus Minnesota this week. Uh, you know, I got to be honest, Dean, it, it bothers me because this game could be a lot bigger than it is. I'm not saying that it doesn't have a certain bigness to it because it does. You know, that one of these two teams, Dean, will go in a certain direction. They are both one and two partners. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, either one of these two teams wins and goes back to 500 or one of these two teams loses uh, and is in the bottom and the back of the Big Ten. So this game is, you know, I'm excited for it. This is probably the less, least stressed I have been for an Iowa game. Or last week, Michigan State's game was the least stressed I have been because, <laughs> you know, uh, when, when, when you, when, when the season is not in grasp and there's not a Big Ten. And, I, and, and last week, I did not hold the opinion that the Big Ten West was completely out of reach. I just held the opinion that it was like 90% out mm -hmm. of reach. So, the, uh, so my emotions were very far back. And I just, I felt very good about the, uh, last week's game. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, about last week's game. And I feel very similarly this week, Dean, because at the end of the day, I'm more concerned with Iowa just winning at this point than I am about them, you know, getting back into the hunt for the Big Ten mm -hmm. race and things of that nature. So, you know, this feels really good. Um, you know, Minnesota had a nice game against Illinois last week. I didn't get to watch it. I was doing the, the post-game uh, show. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, but I'm sure you watched a little bit of it. Actually, um, I didn't. You know, I did it because oh, you did? It, was on okay. a, it was on a Big Ten extra channel that I don't get. Yeah, uh, doesn't that suck? You know, when you literally have every, every package – just so that you can watch every Iowa game, but then there's that one game that you don't get because you don't have this package, uh, which is why I've said for a long time that I don't. I, Dean, I got to be honest. Just an, a, a side note: I think within the next five years, uh, uh, the cable networks are in trouble with these, uh, you know, competing with these Netflixes and Hulu's and, and YouTube, all this stuff. But um, yeah, that, that stinks. Um, but uh, yeah, Minnesota did what they were supposed to, you know? Um, and as a side note, and we'll do our power rankings as well, Illinois, this has just been a complete disaster. Illinois and Nebraska, just a complete disaster. Um, and you know, if Iowa falls to five, one and three, That'll probably be the case for them as well. Um, maybe so. Uh, but but what 
what was your takeaway from the Iowa-Michigan State game now that we are four days removed from that game, Dean? Well, I think when you add in that dimension of the um, run game and the pass-action pass that that they did, that they reinserted that this is Iowa, this is how we play Iowa football – I, you know, the, we yeah. saw what the offense can do. The defense, well, the special teams and defense scored two of the touchdowns, but the rest of them were all Iowa, um, all offense. Correct. Uh, you know, is Nate? I mean, not Nate. Um, Spencer still had his issues at um, the passing game, but when he has that running game and pass action ability, they showed what they can do to help to help Spencer out to bail him out of his passing. I noticed not a lot of people were on the bandwagon this week to fire Ferentz or, 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 or <laughs> trade out Petrus. But, uh, but yeah. was, um, however, he still had issues. <laughs> it's, and I think it's going to, I think true. he's going to still have issues, but if we can bail him out with a running game, like this week's game, um, Minnesota is the worst in the league in rushing defense. Absolutely worst. Yes. Giving up seven yards of carry. That means that this is a Correct. great opportunity for Iowa to just run the ball down their throat, you know, a little pass action pass, no doubt. take a couple of deep shots down the field when they can. But honestly, uh, this is a week where we can play keep away from Tanner Morgan and um, Bateman because right now uh, they have one running back that's getting all their yards. They have one receiver getting all their yards. And the quarterback stats aren't a whole lot different than Petrus's right now. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And Tanner Morgan was their quarterback last year for their 10-win team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is what I – Minnesota's season, you know, when I asked you uh, after, the, uh, after the Northwestern loss, and again – you know, two weeks removed, it, I am still, it just hurts me so much because Iowa very, very easily could, could be two and one, um, as well as three and all, but at, at the very least two and one. But they're not, uh, and it is what it is. Um, but, uh, you know, I asked you which was worse, Penn State, Iowa, or Minnesota, and we both said Penn State, and I still believe that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for Minnesota, it was – I knew how easy their schedule was last year. and But I also knew that even with an easy schedule, uh, you have to win football games. It, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, so I was very much on the fence about what this team could do this year, with Minnesota, that is. And so uh, – but, but also it was very obvious to me with – uh, certain guys leaving that the t- that the kind of team wins that they were having last year were going to be hard to come by this year, and that very much looks to be the case. Theme, you know, mm-hmm. they're struggling to stop the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have their second round draft pick safety mm-hmm. uh, or one of their top linebackers, uh, and also in. Outside of that, on offense, they lost one wide receiver from last year. Uh, you know, Tanner Morgan uh, had a decent year last year, but but wasn't as explosive as many as p- perhaps people have hyped them up going into this season. Uh, and you know, I guess what I'm saying is there's a lot of 
Uh, this reminds me of the seasons with the Iowa Hawkeyes where, uh, you know, they would have like a Marvin McNutt, uh, a decent running back, an, a decent quarterback, and a very, very good defense. Uh, the, the, but with this Minnesota team, they're missing the defensive part. And you can win a lot of games with just one guy on offense, a decent quarterback on offense, and, and running the football. Uh, but you have to be able to stop the football, which Minnesota has stopped, or uh, Minnesota has struggled uh, doing so this year. Uh, so, yeah, this is uh, cr- uh, very crazy. Oh, Dean, I want you to give the stat that you sent me. Uh, and by the way, as I pull this up, Brees Hall is the number one running back uh, in the country right now, uh, which just as a side note, you know, I thought that Iowa State uh, and their and their rushing was uh, because they had a fantastic running back in David Montgomery. Uh, but, I, you know, I think the truth of the matter is, Dean, that 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 statement that I just made is partially true, uh, but also Iowa State's O-lines are better than most people think. I think that's also probably true as well. I mean, you don't have, a, you know, a leading, a leading running back in Brees Hall as well as David Montgomery for the past four years uh, without a decent O-line. Uh, so, but anyways, uh, yeah, you can give your opinion on the Iowa State thing as well as uh, the stat that uh, with uh, Spencer Petras and where he ranks uh, on the quarterback list in the Big Ten. Remember what you sent me, the, the screenshot yeah. of where Spencer Petras is? Yeah, I'm yes. going um, to have to depend on you to do that because um, if I go, I found out the hard way one day with um, doing this. With yeah, you, if, if, we, if I go away. If we get off the thing, the recording ends. Yeah, I can't do it either. <laughs> what, but, so, uh, so that we don't drop this, folks, uh, the – the short, the short of it, and then I'll let Dean comment on Iowa State and the running back. Uh, Spencer Petrus, or a.k.a. Spencer Petrus, <laughs> he doesn't care what it, what you, how you say his last name, but uh, it is that he's sixth in the Big Ten. Uh, it's either sixth or seventh as far as uh, to, uh, total quarterback QBR. Uh, and I think that would surprise a lot of people, Dean. I think it would. It surprised me. And if it surprised me, then I would imagine that it surprised a lot of other people as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And what do you think on the Iowa State stuff? Yeah, go I ahead. I was going to say, I actually, if I remember right, I thought he was number five. Yes, you may be correct. It was either five, fifth, six, or seven. Yeah. Uh, I don't know uh, what it was, but he was right there in the middle. Now, I know there's a difference between being in the top five and being just outside the top five, that there is a big difference between the two. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess that does matter. Yeah, it, no, you're right. He could have been fifth as well. Um, b- boy, we need to find that. I'm going to pull that up real quick. But, yeah, I want you to comment, Dean, on Iowa State so far this season uh, and 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 Brees Hall, uh, that is. Okay, well, he – I haven't um, – since the first couple of weeks, I haven't followed Iowa State that closely. Just, you know, the scores yeah, – Yeah, me are, either. The scores of their games. I mean, obviously, at 5-2, and two, they're 5-1 and one in the in the Big 12, so they're tied for first place. Um, it looks like they're headed – headed, if they keep this going, they're headed for the championship game. 
in the Big 12. So, yeah. Um, but I do know that they have a decent running back. And that you said right there, number one on offense or rushing in Iowa State is? He's number one in the country in rushing. I, I For total team, I'm not sure. Um, now, here it is for the uh, passing offense. Um, yards in the Big Ten, it's Justin Fields first, Rocky Lombardi second. Uh, Joe or Rocky Lombardi and Joe Milton of Michigan tied for second. Sean Clifford fourth. Uh, Talia Tagovailoa fifth. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. sixth. Um, Aiden O'Connell of Purdue seventh, and Spencer uh, uh, of Iowa eighth, with the uh, Minnesota quarterback ninth behind him. Um, and then uh, for quarterback rating. Uh, let's just pull that up really quickly. Uh, so the one that you sent me, Dean, uh, I don't know what that is, but the ESPN rating of the quarterback uh, has Spencer uh, as the 12th rated, uh, or excuse me, the 13th or 12th rated quarterback in the Big Ten. So I, I, I'm trying to find the one that you sent me. Maybe that's on um, NCAA's uh, website. But uh yeah, folks, uh, the ESPN quarterback, total quarterback thing is much different than uh, the other, uh, court, other quarterback ratings because they do take other things into account, uh, which is, is strange. But Tyler Goodson, from what I saw, Dean, I believe is third in the Big Ten in rushing, which is great. I mean, it's been a long while since Iowa has had a running back in the top five of rushing, which would surprise a lot of folks, but that's a fact. I mean, that's just, it, Iowa just has not put a, a running back in the top five for rushing since probably 2016 with Akram Wadley, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to bring up some, uh, some team stats for folks just to really show uh, where uh, teams are at. Chauncey Golston is also in the top five in sacks, which is awesome. So I, he's probably doing a lot better than I gave him credit for. Uh, but total defense, here it is for folks. Wisconsin is first because they've only played one game. Right. Um, and then, right, so, so that one doesn't, doesn't count. Uh, but my mind just went astray here, Dean. Uh, for Iowa State, do you think, and, and I asked you this a couple weeks ago, do you think that it's more – how they are doing this season, especially because we cannot forget the loss that they did, in fact, suffer at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. Do you think that their success this year is more due to the Big 12 and, or to Iowa State? And I know it's probably somewhere in the middle, but if you had to pick one or the other, which one would you if pick? If I had to pick one or the other, I'm going to go with the Big 12 being down this year. Me too. Yes, me too. Very much so. It's just uh, the Big 12, I, I, uh, as well as the Pac-12, Dean, I just think the ACC, the Big 10, and the SEC are at a different level playing football right, right. now. And that's not me saying that Texas or Oklahoma could not, or, or Iowa State could not compete with the Big, T uh, Big 10, or you know maybe USC could not p compete with the Big 10. 
Yes, some teams could, but on a whole, the entire conference, most teams, both in the Big 12 and the Pac-12, would struggle in the Big 10 or the SEC. They may be okay in the ACC, but especially the SEC in the Big 10. So um, Iowa is 19th, and and this is uh, based off of total defense is based off of yards per game allowed. And so, you know, some teams have played seven or eight games. Uh, you know, uh, Wisconsin has only played one game, but Iowa is 19th in total defense, which is awesome. Um, and then in um, team sacks, or yeah, team sacks, Iowa, I believe, is uh, 20th. I mean, this, this to me, Dean, was very surprising. I did not expect Iowa to be where they were. Uh, for some of these defensive uh, uh, defensive stats, but as I have said, this team is very very talented, especially on the defensive side, mixed with both older talent like Jack Heflin, Chauncey Golston, Zach Van Bokenberg, Matt Hankins, and younger talent with guys you know like Riley Moss. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Dane Belton. Uh, who, uh, who else could we throw in there? Uh, Kayvon Merriweather. I mean, Kayvon Merriweather has looked good. I can see why the coaches were hyped up about this young man. I mean, his athletic ability, Dean, it, it, I mean, just flies off of uh, the screen. Which, and, and that's another thing. There was one comment I saw that the Iowa Hawkeyes uh, defense did not look very athletic. And I just have not seen any evidence of that being true. Right. In fact, I have seen the opposite. You know, when they have matched up against some solid athletes this year, they have done just fine. Uh, you know, I know David Bell got his, uh, but, you know, a wide receiver like him will get his uh, against his own defense. Uh, and uh, but outside of that, this Iowa defense has flown all over the field. You know, I have mentioned that they. Uh, I wish they would have played harder against Purdue. There was a lack of energy, mm-hmm. but since that game, they have been very energetic and have been flying all over the field. So things look good. Yeah. So looking at this game, Dean, against Minnesota, what are the things that that you hope continues? You mentioned the rushing attack. And the, the fact of the matter is, this Iowa uh, rushing attack has not been stopped all season. It's been the other way one time. Iowa has stopped Iowa from running the football. But, but for the most part, Iowa has not been stopped rushing the football this season. What are some of the things that you hope they carry forward uh, into the Minnesota game? And then also I'm curious what you think uh, should be the role of Amir Smith Marset in this game because we haven't even brought him up yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, coming off the suspension, what do you think? Okay, well, starting with uh, Amir, um, I think his role will be and should be back to starter like he was. Um, mm. You know, target him again. Uh, he's he's actually number five on the list for only having. Well, I'm going to say for having only played one one game because he only caught passes in one game so far this year. Right. And so he's yeah. actually number five on the receiving list, which isn't really, you know, too bad when you think about all that was from one game, but yeah. Um, for Iowa or in the big 10? No, in, um, in for Iowa. 
for Iowa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to come back. I don't know if you saw this yesterday um, on Twitter. He posted a sincere apology letter to the yes, he did. Yeah, to the fans and to the team and to the coaches for letting him down and for a lapse of judgment he made. And I think this is a turning point for him. Because you remember, he just kind of, he seemed to come out in the first game a little bit disinterested, a little upset. Got his throws, he got his catches in the second game, but he still seemed disinterested and upset. Matter of fact, yes. somebody said after the um, Northwestern loss, he came off the field by himself and not with the team, as the team normally walks off the field together, and he came off by himself and he kind of looked angry. So, um, and that might be because they lost. That could all that that might all that might be. Yeah, yeah. I I won't uh, go into that too much because you know w- when you have a microscope on someone, mm-hmm. there's usually a reason you have a microscope on that person, mm-hmm. and so you'll probably find the reason that you're looking for. So I won't you know go into that, but yeah. but that is something to to remember. Yes, but, but go ahead, Dean. Yeah. So anyway, I think he comes back. I think he comes back as strong as he ever has. I think we might. Might have an opportunity to see him bust one um, on the kickoff yeah. return. Hopefully, he doesn't get too many opportunities on kickoff returns because if he is, that means Minnesota scoring. <laughs> right, 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 right. Or at least maybe punt. Well, no, because I'll be honest, I'd rather have Charlie Jones back there. I mean, that guy has an incredible gift of ke- – because I don't think most people understand just how fast – these guys are cut. I mean, Pat McAfee talks about it on his podcast, just how fast these people are running past you. I mean, they are going the same speed as a gazelle sometimes. That's how fast these young men are. Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, to be able to catch a football in that traffic, not only just catch it, but be able to assess the field as well is, is, uh, and make moves uh, in in a box is is something special. Yeah. And if we go back to the offseason, Dean, Charlie Jones, you know, Tyrone Tracy just completely, uh, you know, was all over this guy saying how good he was. Right. And I, I would remember. be shocked if, if Charlie Jones does not uh, become the starter for uh, and take over for Amir Smith Marset out there on the side because I think next year, you know, I know this is looking really, really, really far ahead, but I think next year, if Iowa cannot replace uh, Brandon Smith sufficiently enough, I think they would be just fine going with Tyrone Tracy, Charlie Jones, and uh, Nico Raggiani, aka Nico Regani, as their three wide receivers and just rolling mm-hmm. with that. Uh, I think they would be okay with that. And quite frankly, Alex, Alec Ritta, or Alec Ritta or Critta, it's either Alec Ritta or Alec Critta, looked decent too. I mean, mm-hmm. I can see why Calvin Lockett decided to depart. I mean, this wide receiver room is as solid and as healthy as it has ever been. Um, <laughs> even though without, even though with whether Mir Smith Marset just did, uh, you know, it, I, what I'm talking about is uh, the the talent to replace the guys, uh, and and you know I can't remember a time where Iowa had a second unit that came in like they did against Michigan State and looked so solid. Can you be? No, I mean, that second unit that came in looked great. 
Yeah. While we're on the subject of the kick returner and the um, punt returner, do you know that each one of them are in first place in the Big Ten? We have. Uh, the- I did not know that. That's incredible. That's yeah, awesome. I, I, it's something I looked up last night, and um, you were talking about like Charlie. What I like about Charlie Jones is he he's so confident when he catches that ball. He's not. Yes, he is. These guys are coming at him, and he's not looking to fair catch it. He's looking to make a move or two. And you know, and that's what I always thought is sometimes when if you can catch it in traffic, you can make a move and get past those guys. You know. Yes. And yes. He, and he he has been doing that, and his speed to me w- was very deceptive when it showed against Michigan State when he was running past those defensive backs for the touchdown. It's like he's running right between them, and those guys aren't even getting to him. <laughs> right. Uh, he, he. Well, uh, you know, Pat McAfee jokes about this. Uh, deceptive speed for a, a white guy means fast white guy. <laughs> that's what he always says. It's true. I mean, yeah. that's just what everybody always says when, you, <laughs> when there's, uh, you that's, know, like probably true. For, <laughs> it is. Remember for Jared Utah, everybody would say he's deceptively athletic. <laughs> uh, anyways, that's, that's funny. But this is what Amir Smith-Marset said just really quickly, you know, just in case some folks missed it. He said, and I want to give, you know, Amir Smith-Marset a fair shake. Um, I would like to offer my deepest and sincere, sincerest apologies to the University of Iowa and the Hawkeye football team. On Sunday, November 1st, 2020, I had a lapse of judgment, which resulted in me making a critical mistake that I wholeheartedly regret. At that moment, I not only let my team down, but I also disappointed my family, those who support me, and anyone who considers me a role model. Looking forward, I am happy to be back with the team, preparing for the Minnesota game this Friday night, and competing for the remainder of the season. Signed, ISM. This is what I'll say, guys. And I said this last week is college, it would be stupidly naive to think that college players do not drink uh, and have fun. Okay. Uh, it is rare for, I mean, I only remember like a handful of guys, Dean, and it, and it was for religious reasons. Uh, who did not, uh, you know, go go to parties, and when they did, they they would just be there with like their girlfriend or something, mm-hmm. you know, just to take her out and and kind of you know joke around with their teammates, but they wouldn't drink or do anything like that, uh, and that's just the kind of the way it, it is. Most guys on the team do have fun. It's just, I mean, that's a fact. So. Um, but the, the truth of the matter is all me and Dean talked about last week was, and it was the same thing with uh, Cordell uh, Pemsel, which is you're a star guy on the team. You can ask anybody for a ride. You can ask for so much help. I mean, for goodness sake, mm-hmm. you could probably call a police officer that you know and ask him to help you out, and he would be happy. Mm-hmm to help you out so that you don't make a costly decision. I mean, that is the truth of it. So mm-hmm. that's the only part of it that, that, that we are down on now moving forward. How do I think Amir Smith Marset is going to play? Listen, I thought that uh, Tyrone Tracy was 
each time in his role when he came in for Brandon Smith and which we need to get to Brandon Smith as well. And this past week when uh, he came in for Amir Smith-Marset, he has done a great job. He's, he's a great teammate. Uh, and, and now he didn't have as big of a week last week as he did maybe in relief for Brandon Smith, but he did a great job. And, you know, I said that Amir Smith-Marset may lose his position. That's probably not true. Listen, folks, Amir Smith-Marset is probably the most uh, naturally gifted, naturally talented wide receiver that Iowa has. He's very smooth. He's very fast. uh, And, you know, the game against Northwestern showed what he is capable of uh, when he is targeted. Uh, And there's no reason for me to believe that he can't have similar games moving forward against Minnesota, against any team moving forward. Uh, so I fully expect him to have a newfound, uh, and, and, and Dean, if this is not the case, Iowa needs to move off of him quick. Because if he is not ready with a newfound mindset and a newfound um, you know, uh, sense of identity and what he truly wants to accomplish this year, Iowa cannot wait for him to catch back up because the fact of the matter is we are halfway through the season already, or this game will put us halfway through the season. And Iowa is staring down the barrel of one of its worst finishes in the past eight years. Uh, And that just cannot happen. So, um, you know, I, but I fully expect Amir Smith-Marset to be engaged and ready to go. What do you expect out of Amir, Dean? I expect that he will be. Like yeah. I said, said a few minutes ago, I think we're going to see the old Amir back, and um, I think we're going to see. I don't know. We're just going to see. We're just going to see a good game out of him. I really believe it. I agree. I mean, as he's, well. he's going to be the fast. He's going to be the fastest guy on the field, and and so if he gets to compete, if he gets to compete in the uh, NFL Combine, Dean, I think mm-hmm. he may run the fastest forty-yard dash. And mm-hmm. this is what I have said about uh, both Brandon Smith, and, and, and this brings me to Brandon Smith and what the Reese's Senior Bowl scout and former NFL scout of like 17 years, uh, I'll uh, talk about what he said about Brandon Smith. But the fact is, for both these guys, the offense that they are in, even with the amount of passing that Iowa has done the past two weeks, it is not set up to have big yardage wide receivers. It just isn't. Uh, It doesn't mean that guys can't show off their skill and their talent because they most certainly can in this offense, but usually they're not going to have the type of numbers that maybe a wide receiver may have in the Big 12. But the type of season that like Amir Smith-Marset had last year and things like that is also taking into account how they are going to perform. Uh, Brandon Smith, the coaches fully expect that he will jump a 40 plus yard, or excuse me, a 40 plus inch vertical leap, which is just crazy. Both these guys Mm -hmm. could get drafted based off their athletic capabilities by themselves, not to mention Mm -hmm. the, uh, the experience they have. The, the Reese's senior bowl guy, Dean, said that he thinks Brandon 
has really uh, morphed his skill and his talent. And, uh, and his comments were very high on Brandon Smith, uh, which is good to hear. Because in my, in my eyes, Dean, I think both Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset have, uh, have a chance to be drafted. But to me, most of it depends on uh, how they perform uh, in the, you know, the combine and the pro day and things like that. Did you see the comments that were uh, given to Brandon Smith by the senior bowl guy? No, I didn't. But um, based on what you just said, I would have to agree with him. Um, this guy can't be handled one-on-one. -on -one. He's going to out right. jump and grab the ball from people. And I mean, that's one thing Amir doesn't have. Amir pretty much has to shake off a receiver and catch the ball and run with it. Right. And, uh, but Brandon has that capability that he can go one-on-one -on -one against any DB and, 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 go up and grab that ball. We've seen him make some spectacular catches over spectacular, his career. Which is one of the things, Dean, that the guy talked mm -hmm. about. You know, he uh, the, the catch that he saw Brandon Smith make, that is an NFL catch. I mean, it just is, mm -hmm. folks. Uh, and in my eyes, Dean, I think Brandon Smith would have higher numbers if Iowa did take a chance uh, over the top with him. He won't beat a guy down the field, but he if you throw a ball up 50-50 or even 60-40, Brandon Smith usually will come down with it. And I think Iowa potentially may need to take more shots his way. Now, the other thing I was going to say is that Amir Smith-Marset missed out on a perfectly great game to showcase his skill against Michigan State in front of a Reese's Senior Bowl uh, a scouting guy. So who knows? Maybe he gets another chance here moving forward. Uh, I don't know. All right, Dean, let's go back to this Iowa-Minnesota game. Uh, okay. what, what can you uh, expect Iowa to do? I know you've already talked about it a little bit. Uh, and also, what do you expect Minnesota to do in this game? Okay. What I'm expecting Minnesota to do is try to run the ball and test our, test our defense on the run. Um, because they are very good at running the ball. Right. And if they can't run it, they're going to go over the middle with Bateman. And, you know, and honestly, that's what scares me is because when they when people go over the middle with Iowa, they have a tendency to gain a few yards. They don't have to get a ton of yardage over the top because Iowa kind of sits there in that little zone defense of theirs. Correct. They don't give you those yards. They just won't give you the touchdown. And so – I'm expecting to see a lot of Bateman over the middle if, if the running back doesn't work. And the running back, I'm expecting to see a lot of him. Um, the one thing they've got to do better on the – I think – actually, I, I've actually been impressed with our passing defense. Me too, very much so. I think that this is as um, good as it's looked in, since probably Desmond King and uh, Greg Maben. Yeah, so I don't know if that worries me as much as the rushing attack because um, I think except for Michigan State, we didn't stop the rushing attack in the first two weeks. And those are two teams that don't normally rush a lot. Right. Um, <laughs> Iowa is ranked 14th in the country in uh, rushing yards allowed per game, which uh, which surprises me, actually. Well, I guess I am shocked. <laughs> well, it doesn't surprise me because what they have allowed is high for Iowa, but it is not – high for other teams and what we saw against Michigan State is how it should be is how Iowa should perform 
uh, uh, in rushing the football. Now, what, now, what do you expect from? Uh, I agree with you on Minnesota that they're going to pound the football and see what they can get over the top with Bateman. That, I mean, that's the only way that they can score points. And mm-hmm. and if that was Iowa, I mean, that's what I would expect Iowa to do as well: is pound the football mm-hmm. and go to Bateman. What do you expect Iowa to do this game? I expect to see more of what we saw against Michigan State. Yes. Um, we're going to see more of Tyler Goodson. Um, gonna, we're definitely going to see more of him again this game. They're going to pound it. I, I think they, you know, the rushing attack, you know, like you said, um, has been there all year. Um, it's just like we just didn't do it much against Northwestern. And I mentioned that. We went uh, away from it uh, in Northwestern for whatever reason. Yeah. So, yeah, we went away from it because supposedly they were stacking the box. So Brian Ferentz was calling for pass plays to try to get over the top of those because they were stacking the box with eight or nine people on right, it. Right, right. And, and so rather than try to run through it, and that, that was my disappointment. Maybe we could run through that stack. Maybe we couldn't. But my whole point was is we didn't even try. Yes, we tried a couple times, and, and Tyler lost a couple of yards each, each time he tried. But we didn't keep trying. You know, it's like, okay, that didn't work. We tried twice, so right. let's just go over the air. And, no, so no matter what Minnesota throws at them, they got to keep pounding that ball. That's, that's Iowa's bread and butter. And, you know, and the pass action passes, too. That seems to work. They were using those all over the place, you know. Uh, that's and, one like thing said, that I wanted to touch on really quickly. Spencer, we have seen guys like James James Vandenberg, Ricky Stanzi, C.J. Beathard, great play-action uh, quarterbacks. Uh, also, really quickly on C.J. Beathard, I am shocked that what the 49ers are doing. Not I, I As a guy, I mean, me and Dean both live in California. I'm shocked <laughs> that C.J. Beathard hasn't been given the nod. I think he will – uh, moving forward, because not you know the Niners can fully see what they have in him. Who knows? They may have uh, a franchise quarterback. We have not been able to see for sure if C.J. Beathard mm-hmm. is that guy. Now, anyways, um, but but going back to Iowa, those guys have been great uh, uh, quarterbacks uh, in play action. Spencer, as we have seen, the coaches know he can uh, absolutely uh, throw the ball in the pocket. But he has struggled a little, a, a little bit in play action. So hopefully he, he does, does better. Hopefully he does better in play action because the, the fact of the matter is Iowa has every talent or every guy to make play action work. They have athletic tight ends, both in Sean Byer and Sam Laporta. They have you know solid wide receivers. Uh, they have solid uh, running back, fullback. I mean, there's no reason play action shouldn't work a majority of the time in the game. So hopefully that gets better. Go ahead, Dean, continue. Yeah. Well, well, the reason I was going to say is the reason I think with Spencer, why it's not worked as well as it could, is it because he puts too much zip on the ball. Yeah. I mean, you can't throw the ball that close to a receiver that hard, that fast. They can't handle it. <laughs> and – and so the thing is, is as I was told, and I was, it was confirmed by somebody else who, who knew the same thing, that in practice, Spencer's throwing touch, touch passes. He's not rushing the throws. He's looking like a very great quarterback. Right. And, 
in practice. But, you know, as we see in the game, he gets a little juiced and he puts a little hype on the ball and he just zips it out of there. And I don't know if he's because because of the live action of the game, he's afraid of kicking a sack. So he gets it out of there quick or if he's been taught to get it out of there so quick. But you can still put a touch on it and, and still be successful. And the thing is, is, is even Chuck Long has never had – he never had the arm. He never had any zip on the ball. But yet, you know, he's Iowa's leading quarterback, number one quarterback of all time. Right. So people need to think about that when you – in about that for a second and just say, okay, you know, Spencer, let's stick – you know, pretend it's practice. Pretend you're going against your own team. Don't put so much zip on that. Let your guys catch the ball. Right. Give your guys a chance to, to, to catch the football. When I talked to his dad a few weeks back, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I just know this to be true as well. Uh, you know, there's a concept in basketball that you practice super hard uh, so that the game is actually easier than practice. Basketball, right. only, only certain sports can you do that. Football is not one of those. Nothing can come the same uh, as, re- you know, real live speed. And so, you know, when I talked to his dad, uh, it was, the I mean, just the, the fact is uh, that he's not used to the speed that he's playing against. I mean, in high school, uh, he played what it, uh, I think it would be Division Four, which would be like Division one in Iowa. So, it, I mean, it was a smaller school, Dean. So there, mm-hmm. there's that. Now, that's not an excuse. I'm just just putting the, what I know and what I have heard. Uh, and, you know, he's still getting used to the speed of the game. I mean, uh, folks need to understand that this that these guys are Division One athletes. You know, 25% of them will have a chance to play in the NFL and the NFL has some of the best athletes in the world. So, uh, you know, but, but that does not mean what Dean has said is not the case because it absolutely is. Uh, Spencer has to give his guys a chance. He needs to, to part, part the, what, some of the things that make it, make a quarterback really good. And this helped Nate Stanley, even though he didn't totally grasp it, but it helped him throughout his career was figuring out uh, when to when to make certain throws, when to throw you know a ball with with absolute precision and speed into a spot, when to put some touch on it so that a, a you know a receiver can catch it and get some yak, as they say, some yak and move forward mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. So, uh, but and I'll be honest, Spencer has not shown that. Uh, he has made some fantastic passes, but he hasn't shown that, uh, what I would call football IQ, knowing when to just, you know, drop it in there. Uh, but also I'll say this again, his receivers have not been as helpful as they can. Tyler Goodson probably dropped two, three balls last week on screens that were catchable. Were they perfect passes? No, but they were catchable. Tyler Goodson would tell you so. Uh, and if Tyler Goodson says that he can catch a ball, well, then he can catch the football. So, uh, but but still, in my opinion, most of the blame on this goes towards Spencer. Spencer needs to figure this out because uh, 
the, the reality is, Dean, we have not seen a quarterback as naturally gifted and talented as Spencer back there, uh, at, you know, standing 6'5", mm-hmm. 230, since, probably, since maybe Nate Stanley. Uh, and even and and he probably is more naturally gifted than Nate Stanley. So uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of there's a lot of hype behind this, and people just want to see Spencer take the step that we know he can make, and 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 really right. let this offense explode. And when that happens, Dean, I see Iowa having a chance to beat every single team they play. Uh, especially looking at the okay. schedule. But, yeah, let's look at okay, – Let me say this real quick about – I want to um, compare Nate Stanley's first year to um, um, Petrus's so far. Um, if you take away and put him under the same circumstances, Nate Stanley had the same problem, overthrowing, throwing too much zip on the yes. ball. And he uh, – let's take away the three preseason non-conference games. And let's take away the bull win that he had that year. Um, that leaves Iowa with a four and four record in the Big Ten. Correct, but but hold on, let's let, let's put it. Uh, I'm gonna pull up. We'd have to. I'd have to. I'd have to no, look I'm that pulling up, up but... Nate Stanley's stats right now. Um, remember, mm-hmm. folks, Nate Stanley, his first game, he played against Josh Allen and went toe to toe with Josh Allen, who is a starting quarterback in the NFL right now. So uh, that is a fact there. Um, it, just right off the bat, Dean, if I were to say so, uh, in, in my eyes, Nate Stanley had a, has had or did have a much better start to his uh, career than Spencer has had. Uh, I know that the, mm-hmm. that the circumstances are different, you know, with the COVID thing uh, and, and, and all of that. But, but again, Spencer has had more time to prepare with his right receivers than Nate did. Also, Spencer has more talented guys. Let's just put it this way. Spencer has a, a completed Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset, whereas Nate Stanley had the beginning aspects of Amir Smith-Marset and Brandon Smith, the beginning talent of those two guys. That's the difference in talent that they were working with. The only difference that I can see is that uh, the tight ends were better for Nate Stanley, and Nate Stanley one year did have Akron Wadley, who was a 1,000-yard rusher. But then again, in my eyes, Tyler Goodson is just as good of a running back, if not better, uh, all around. Well, I can't say that yet, but, it, but it's, it's, at least, it's comparable. Also at the tight end position, obviously TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant are better tight ends uh, than Sam Laporta and Sean Beyer at this juncture. But Sam Laporta and Sean Beyer are comparable, are they not? I, I mean, they're, they're at least comparable, would you not say, Dean? Right. Yes. So um, my, yes. my point is, is that Nate, what Nate Stanley had to work with was a slot receiver and two good tight ends. And even then, he didn't have those two good tight ends for his entire thing. Spencer, on the other hand, has all of those things and is still struggling a bit. So um, here is Spencer's stats, or excuse me, uh, uh, Nate's stats from his uh, first year. He had, and Dean, it's, it's not even close. He, had, he, went, he threw um, 
he threw uh he completed 196 passes uh, and attempted 351 for a completion percentage of 55.8, which would which rounded up to 56 percent. He threw for uh, 2,432 yards, uh, 6.9 yards uh, an attempt, uh, and he threw 26 touchdowns to six interceptions his first year. And then here's the other thing, Dean: if that were this year, people would be going crazy about Nate Stanley and his potential like they are for grant like they have been mm-hmm. for grand Mertz. did that surprise you that people didn't go absolutely nuts for the potential of nate stanley i mean those stats for a sophomore quarterback his first year are insane i mean mm-hmm. they really are dean i mean looking back at it that's yeah. insane well, 26 tds to six interceptions mm-hmm. yeah i mean a lot of people were in love with him at that time, but I, just, I think me, <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't know. I'm looking back, I'm looking back at it and you know, who knows what, um, Petrus's stats will right. end up as before right. the end of the year. But I wanted, I wanted to point out that Nate Stanley's first year, I took away all the non-conference games, including the bowl win. They were five and four in the, in the big 10. His Where first are you year. getting this? Like how, how, I mean, five, four and but, five. But how are you doing this? Are you taking a what are you taking away? And 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 I don't understand. Okay. Okay, I'm taking away the three non-conference games that we won and the bowl game that we won. So there were eight and five regular season. Oh, you're saying outside of the easy or what should be easy uh, non-conference wins? Mm -hmm. Well, Iowa State or Wyoming were not necessarily easy that year, but but. But they should be considered, uh, you know, wins for Iowa almost every single year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the bull right. win against Boston College and how we did outside of those is is what you're coming up with, right? And then the, his second year, he improved to five and four in the yep. Big Ten, and then his third year, six and three in the Big Ten. So that's what I, that's all I wanted to point out is that I think overall, but you but. When I'm listening to you explain, Stanley that first year did not have the talent surrounding him that close. he has this. That, you know, and so there shouldn't be any excuse for Petrus not having a better season than he's having. Um, but the the only point is 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 he's got to. I think he just has to settle down and, and take some zip off the ball, and I think he'll be fine. You know, uh-huh. um, I think the timing would be there. Otherwise, I think these guys would he wouldn't be overthrowing his. His deep balls, those guys are are where they're supposed to be. He's just overthrown right. them, and so maybe if he if he puts a little bit softer touch on that ball, then then the balls land in their hands. I, I yeah, <laughs> the balls in their hands, and uh, you know, just nice, just where the balls need to be in their hands, just perfect. And uh, so, uh, you know, I think that he will take the steps. His confidence has not wavered. He's he stayed strong. He's getting a weapon back. Um, uh, listen, folks, uh, I'm going to ask Dean to do the basketball podcast with me later in the day because there's just so much there that I can't attach it to this. And also, I have an oral board uh, assessment today uh, for Sparks Police Department that I must prepare for. Um, so I'm going to ask Dean to do that with me 
later in the day. Uh, but looking at this specific game, you know, I, for me, I'm happy where Iowa currently is. Uh, for me, Dean, I do not, just because Iowa lost by a combined five points against teams that are a combined five and oh, um, I am not Mm -hmm. down on how talented this team is. I never was, uh, you know, I got some nasty comments, uh, but if you can't understand that there is a difference between talent and actually winning games, then I don't know what to say. Uh, those mm-hmm. two things are different. There are so many times in professional sports. Yeah. I mean, look at the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys on Pro Football Focus have the number five or t- third best uh, top to bottom roster, yet they are awful. Okay. Uh, the Rams last year, uh, you know, those are just examples. Let's look at the NBA. You know, uh, there have been plenty. The Clippers did not do what they should have done in the NBA. Uh, so, Talent does not always equal immortal success. Other things come into factor. You know, uh, leadership, which me, now I will give credit where credit's due on this. Me and Dean should have seen that sooner. Now, we were the first people to discuss it and put it to the forefront, but we should have seen it sooner. Leadership does matter. Uh, As well as team cohesion, those things do matter. And we missed that. But that does not mean that this team is not talented. Dean, I am happy where this team is at. Uh, I know they're one and two. But like I said, the talent, I know what the talent is. I believe guys like Seth Benson, uh, you know, Justin Jacobs, Davion Nixon, uh, Tyler Linderbaum, Spencer, even Tyrone Tracy and Nico Rajani, they are stepping into the roles that they should have stepped into the very first game of the season. Because the bottom line is Brandon Smith, Amir Smith-Marset, uh, you know, Matt Hankins, they aren't, they are not the leaders that we expected just because they are older. And usually that's just not, usually that's the case. Just because you're older does not mean that you are a better leader than someone who's just a year or two younger than you. Uh, you know, Amir Smith-Marset, Brandon Smith, and Matt Hankins, if they were really, really sound leaders, they would have been leaders since their sophomore season. And I should have seen that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I missed that. I expected them to get into a role that they just have never really gotten into. They are, they are much more comfortable in a role where they succeed and, and it, you know, in their talent. Uh, outside of that, but they don't want to lead a team, and that's okay. Not most people are not leaders. It's not a dig against them. Um, so that's the fact. Recruiting. I'm happy where the Hawkeyes are, Dean. They're holding on to the recruiting class. It's a top 25 recruiting class. I fully expect them to pick up one. They're probably going to have to pick up three guys now because of the four guys who have put their names in the transfer portal. Um, but also Dean, I've talked to you mm-hmm. in the past that this, that because Iowa cannot watch these guys with their own eyes in person, because it's a much different situation watching a guy on TV than it is watching a guy with your own eyes in person. They, they are different. Uh, and so because, you know, if Ohio state doesn't feel comfortable when they can afford to miss on a few scholarships, 
uh, Iowa is it, it's they are going to be very 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, strict about who they decide to give that scholarship to. Uh, now I expect them to to sign two three more guys. In this class that already has 16 guys, I don't think they're going to get Jordan Oladukin back, and that's fine. Uh, to, to be honest, I don't want him to come back because if if you're gonna if you don't feel strongly enough about the school to just play around with your commitment, then Iowa certainly is not the best spot for you. Iowa is not a place that you can just you know play around with commitments. You have. Iowa is a school that you make a cognizant decision that you are going there to get coached up, to be coached hard, and to move forward. Um, but uh, so I expect Iowa to get three more guys there, and I also expect Iowa to continue this role that they have had, getting some graduate transfers and saying, "Hey, we will allow you to show the talent that you truly have." So, Dean, what do you think on that as we close this out on what I just said? And then we'll do our power rankings and we'll do, uh, we'll do our power rankings and then we'll, uh, you know, close out with how we think the Iowa versus Minnesota game is going to go. What do you think about what I just said? Um, okay. So. You got to hit the uh, hole, bud. <laughs> I don't. I can't. I can't. But listen, folks. I mean, that's just uh, how I feel on 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 where probably every angle of the Iowa football team right now. I I expect Iowa to continue this season in an upward trajectory. Uh, I I think Iowa is going to be favored in every uh, their remaining games. Uh, weirdly enough, Dean, they have been favored in every single game this so far this season. Uh, so, uh, do you have any comments on the recruiting thing? On uh, or yeah, go ahead. Well, well, it's just so tough with this COVID because they're not allowed right. to have any in person recruiting right now. And I don't know. Um, in December is an early signing day. I'm sure the 15 or 16 guys that they've got committed yes, they will. will all sign in December, but he's still got, he'll probably still go after five, five or six, six more people. I don't see it being that high, Dean. I think they will uh, feel more comfortable rolling that to the 2022 guys uh, and, and maybe having a bigger class there. Um, uh, unless they feel really, really comfortable with the, now, the difference now with the way things are, you cannot see the guys in person, but also you have more time to evaluate them, which if this were a normal season, mm -hmm. you would not be still evaluating some of these guys. So this has given them more time to evaluate uh, some other guys. Like I said, Dean, I think it'll, I don't think it'll be that high. I think it'll be about two to three guys. Um, and I mean, they've already given, mm -hmm. uh, they, they need a cornerback. They do. I mean, they have Cooper DeJean, the four-star uh, U.S. Army All-American, uh, but he's a safety, could be a corner. Um, but they need a cornerback in this class, Dean. They have, have lost one, uh, and they need a safety, and they need a running back. Those three things, those, so that's where I'm right. getting the three from, uh, you know. Okay, yeah, we haven't got our tight end yet. And, you know, even with Nebraska – 
having the record that they have, I fully expect. And even if, uh, you know, uh, 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 Sam Laporta continues on his trajectory towards a second team or first team all Big Ten selection, I don't see Thomas Fedoni or James Carney, both who committed to Nebraska, flipping their decision. And to me, it is just so such a bad decision. And I, I wish, uh, with the bottom of my heart, I could just you know tell them in all seriousness how poor of a decision it is. Because looking at it from a thousand yards away, or if not more, it's it, you know from a guy like me and you, Dean, it's just so obvious that Iowa is a better school to go to, especially with Nebraska facing going 0-3, 0-4 on the season, Dean. I mean, things are not looking good in Nebraska land. Mm-hmm. So, um, now, what do you think about the grad transfers? Um, I think they'll probably hit another couple of grad transfers. Yeah. It's, it's been the norm lately. And, and, you know, and if they really need to feel, feel, um, fill some immediate holes next year, I, at the top of my list, I can't think of what the immediate holes are going to be, but they'll probably look at the grad transfer rule there. While they, they may take the a grad guys, transfer so, at running back. But they sure may take a grad better. transfer at tight end. They may take a grad transfer. To, to be honest, Dean, you're right. I don't know what the immediate needs are because the guys who are leading – that are seniors, Iowa has a sufficient amount of talent uh, behind them to replace it. You know, Matt Hankins at corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know Jack Heflin is a defensive tackle, but I feel good with the defensive tackle talent that Iowa has coming in. Uh, you know, maybe at defensive end, mm-hmm. you know, I feel good about John Wagner, but Iowa's going to be losing both their starting defensive ends. Joe Evans is not a starting defensive end. He is a yeah, backup. That- Yeah, no, that was my first thought, too, was is probably defensive ends need to have immediate replacement. And if we don't have a couple of guys that are ready to go next year as starers, then maybe we look at the transfer right, portal right. and see if there's a couple of those guys. The problem, this is the last thing I'll say yeah. about grad transfers. The pro- And by the way, guys, we are so lucky. I, I also will probably look at the transfer portal for a kicker as well with Keith Duncan leading. Um now, I think Iowa feels good about Caleb Shudak. I, I think they do. Uh, I think if Keith Duncan were to get injured, they would feel just fine with replacing uh, Duncan with Caleb Shudak. Uh, I mean, they feel so good about him, Dean, that they have him kick the, the longer field goals. Um, now, now, it's crazy, right. Dean. Iowa is in position for uh, returner, with Charlie Jones, kicker, with Keith Duncan, and punter for all three to be finalists at those positions. I mean, Tory Taylor has been unfreaking real. And Iowa is going to have him for another two, possibly three years, probably three years because punters and kickers don't leave early. And that is yeah. awesome, Dean. It really is. I'm happy that Iowa has this kid. Yeah. Yeah, we have the number one punter in the in yes. the Big Ten and number two nationally, and they're averaging forty five yards a punt. Yes, it is. That it is, is to compare, You know, Michael Sleep Dalton <laughs> had a nice year last year, and uh, uh, Tory Taylor is averaging four more yards 
the Michael St. Dalton. And also, Tory Taylor didn't have, you know, a few warm-up games. He went straight into Big Ten play and has kicked this way, which is unbelievable. So, um, yeah. right, here we go, Dean. Iowa has Minnesota, Penn State, Nebraska, Illinois, and Wisconsin left. Looking at that schedule, for me, the only game that I see Iowa uh, not being favored against is Wisconsin. Uh, I think they'll be favored at Penn State. I think Penn State is not the team that people thought they were, not even close. Um, and looking at the schedule, Iowa can, can absolutely go on a run here, winning one, two, three. Now, I don't want to look too far ahead. You know, this has to be a game-by-game thing. They, they need to get past Minnesota first. Um, but let's do our power rankings first really quickly, and I'm going to pull up the standings. And then we'll, we'll close out with how we think the, the Iowa versus Minnesota game is going to go, uh, the key factors in the game for us, and uh, things like that. By the way, guys, go to 247hawkeye.com, and also be sure to share this podcast with your friends, with your foes, with your family. It doesn't matter, uh, especially your foes, because who knows? Someone, someone who you don't like, maybe they will like this show. You, you never know. So, Or maybe they don't like it, and – it's a win-win for you either way. So just be sure to share. It's all good. Um, I'm pulling up the standings, Dean. And this week I shall go first since you have gone first uh, every other week. Uh, and uh, I, I know Dean feels good about his standings uh, right now. I, I, I really do. Uh, so, all right, here we go, folks. By the way, Dean, how do you feel about because I will be driving to Glendale tonight to do for my oral assessment for Glendale tomorrow morning. Think about that. First. I'm leaving Sacramento at mm-hmm. probably two thirty, maybe three o'clock driving to Glendale for, uh, to, to stay mm-hmm. at the hotel to do the oral assessment the next morning. So how do you feel about doing the basketball podcast uh, w- once I get on the road there? We could do that. I just, I'm afraid that you might cut Probably out not while you're on the way, though. Uh, LA I mean, is, is pretty solid. I mean, I, I just know that from what I did last time. Uh, I uh, used my phone to mm-hmm. uh, be a hotspot for my iPad so that I could listen to a show. It should be good. Mm-hmm. It, it, listen, okay. if, it, if it does pop out one time, okay. then we can cancel okay. it and, 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 and just be done and wait until later. So how about that? All right. All right, folks, here we go. Big Ten West, here are my standings. I have Northwestern at one. They're 3-0. And I have uh, Purdue at number two. Uh, I have – I got to be honest, folks. It's very hard for me to keep Wisconsin at three because they've only played one game. It's hard for me to keep them at three over both Iowa and Minnesota because, quite frankly – they both, all three of them have the same amount of wins. Um, it, it is very difficult for me. So mm-hmm. what I will do, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just uh, uh, divide it out uh, and I'm going to put Iowa there at three and Wisconsin at four with Miss Minnesota at five. So that just puts everything in the middle. Uh, I'm going to put uh, Nebraska at six, Illinois at seven, to be honest, 
I could easily put Nebraska at seven. I mean, they have gotten their A's whoop both games. It has not been close. They are in trouble, folks. They are in trouble uh, massively, and uh, whoo, they're in trouble. Um, in the Big Ten East, I have uh, Ohio State first. Uh, Indiana is having a phenomenal season. They're second. But, uh, but I'll, I'll be honest with you guys, I don't have as much faith in Indiana as their current ranking. I don't think they're the 10th best team in the country. Um, I just think the Big Ten East is not as good as uh, people foresaw. Um, I have Maryland at three. Uh, I have uh, uh, D- Dean. Did Michigan, Michigan State beat Michigan and Rutgers beat Michigan State, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I'll have, I'm going to have Rutgers at four, Michigan State at five, Michigan at six, and Penn State at seven. It, you know, those three, Rutgers, Michigan State, Michigan, it's, it, it's kind of just a toss-up who, who you have. Uh, but I'm going to go with the way the standings are. Since Michigan State beat Michigan, since Rutgers beat Michigan State, I'll have Rutgers at four, uh, you know, Michigan State at five, Michigan at six, and Penn State at seven. Go ahead, Dean. All right. Okay, go ahead. Starting with the let's just go with the East. Okay. Because I I think you and I Yeah. Okay. One Mm. is Ohio State. Number two is Indiana. I put I put uh, Maryland at number three. Um I put Michigan at number four. Okay. Um at number five, I got Penn State higher than both Michigan State which is at seven and Rutgers, which is at six. Um, I don't know why I knew that because well, Penn State bias. probably well, doesn't deserve to be that okay. high, but That's all right. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. It is. So, so that's where I'm at with those guys. Yeah. No, it's okay, so, folks. It's okay to admit bias. We right. are all biased people. I mean, not admitting that it would be a lie. I mean, I'm biased for higher. That's probably why I have them fourth or third. Yeah, it's just hard. It's just hard for I me agree. to imagine that Penn State is really that bad. Always crazy on the season. That's unbelievable. Um, and so it's it's very crazy. I didn't see that coming. Okay, um, going over to the yeah. West, I got Northwestern number one, Purdue number two. Yeah, I am going to leave Wisconsin at number yeah. three, but boy, I, I thought about that really hard. Um. Just because I, I I think they're playing again this week, and I think they I think play Michigan's Michigan. Going to win this game, and I believe I think they're I think starting quarterback. Going to win this game, Dean. What's that? Yeah, we do. That I we think do. Michigan does. We need them to. You it sounded okay. like you were going to say Wisconsin's okay. quarterback may um, be out. No, well, see, yeah. we don't, I don't know when they counted the twenty-one days for their top two quarterbacks. Um, I mean, of course, we know the one is out, the main starter. It's not going to come back for a while, but the one that that freshman that came in and just lit lit everybody on fire, I he might sure, be back sure. for this game. It depends on where they counted his twenty one days. Okay, so anyhow, um, so that's the reason why I'm going to leave them at three. If they come out with somebody else and lose right. this week, then you know, then they deserve to drop. But okay, I've got Iowa up at four, so I, I think I moved them up one spot from last week. Yeah, and I'm going to leave Minnesota at five. Because they they did win, and they're not a bad team. Yeah. I got Nebraska at six and Illinois at seven. 
Um, Nebraska only lost by seven points to Northwestern last week. And something that about Nebraska that surprised me was their defense seemed to um, do a decent job against um, Northwestern last week. But what I was surprised was is there was no offense. Is Northwestern's defense that good? Because I, I, I know that Nebraska can point. I do think Northwestern's defense is really <laughs> solid. And I think that's why Iowa had a tough time scoring in the second half. Uh, I think Iowa beat themselves, obviously, more so than Northwestern's mm-hmm. defense beat Iowa. But, uh, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, that's a great point. That is correct. Yep, now that's where I'm at with those. No, we're so. not. We're not. Yeah, we're, we're not. not. Off, we're not. You and, and I, this, not this that week much. is going to determine a lot, Dean. It is. Okay. Uh, you know, with Wisconsin and Michigan, Iowa and uh, Minnesota <laughs> on Friday, mm-hmm. uh, and – you know, so let's hit, let's hit let's hit this right off the bat, um, and maybe we should have done this earlier in the show, but it, it is what it is. People still you know listen all the way through. So uh, this game being on Friday, Paul, when when me and him did it, he seemed to think that the Friday game was going to matter a lot. I completely disagree with that. Uh, Iowa has been doing this for a while now. If anything, it should be strange for minnesota i don't i'm i correct me if i'm wrong dean this is a new thing for minnesota playing on fridays i don't it's not okay well but then both it teams is not know how it to play not. on fridays iowa has been doing it against uh nebraska mm-hmm. uh and so they know how to play on a short week they know how to prepare it they know how to do it and that to me is of no concern mm-hmm. um uh, Dean, now, what do you think? Is is it um, some concern for you or no? It's not a concern for me. Right. Um, both both teams have played on Friday before. Both teams have had to um, go on short weeks be- before. I think both teams bring back Great experience point. who have done it. So that's not a concern to me. What? What might be a concern to me is Minnesota is used to playing in very cold weather up there this time of year. Good point. Yeah. And Iowa is not. And so it's it's going to be 30 degrees at game time. I do not know how that affects now, the passing that, game. Now, that may make Iowa run the ball more. I really don't. may just, on a weird, in a weird way, force Iowa's hand towards something that they are kind of weirdly decide. you know, should we pass? Should we throw more? We got a good quarterback. We got good receivers, but we have a good running back. So this may force them to rush the football. Uh, also, being mm-hmm. Iowa and Kirk Ferentz play well at, at Minnesota's place. They usually do. Uh, and they have beat Minnesota for the past mm-hmm. five seasons. It's either four or five. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and Iowa – Iowa is the only team that um, – um, I, 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 I just wanted to already. go, go ahead and finish what you're saying. I'll find what his name is. I, Iowa is the only West, yeah, is the uh, only West uh, team that he's never beaten. Flack. Flick. Flack. Flick. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, that's interesting. So there may be a little extra yeah, motivation so. on his players' so. part to get him that um, one win. That listen, he's, he's, uh, <laughs> this is a rivalry game regardless. In my, in, in my opinion, for Iowa players, Iowa versus mm-hmm. Minnesota, uh, or excuse me, if I had to rank it, I would say 
how the Iowa play, how much Iowa players care about the rivalry games. I would say Iowa versus Wisconsin is at the top. Iowa versus Nebraska is number two. Uh, Iowa versus Minnesota is three, and Iowa versus Iowa State is four. The reason why I have it that way is because uh, Iowa is where it's at as far as being a good program. It is nearly on a national level as far as people knowing the program. Uh, and how, and I've said this before, how good teams measure themselves up is by how they do against other good teams in their division. If you beat Wisconsin, that usually means you're going to have a good mm-hmm. season. If you beat Nebraska, you'll probably have a good season, even though beating Nebraska has meant less these recent years. So, But this Minnesota game matters. But Iowa you know, has done really well. I'm not sure that there will be any extra motivation anywhere. I think this game being comes down to can Minnesota stop the run, uh, uh, Iowa's rushing attack? Can Iowa run the football? Uh, and then for Minnesota, can they connect on enough big plays and hope that they hold Iowa? This is what Minnesota is going to have to do. Minnesota is going to have to connect on enough plays to score enough points against the Iowa defense, but also they're going to have to hope for some takeaways that puts them in a good position to score uh, easier points that they would not otherwise have. I do not see this Minnesota offense being capable of lighting this Iowa defense up and, 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 and scoring enough points on its own. It, it, literally, if Iowa just ran the football every time they touched the ball, I feel so confidently about this Iowa defense that Iowa would probably win the game. As long as they didn't fumble the football, Iowa would win. So that, to me, Dean, Minnesota has to do a few things in order to win, whereas Iowa just has to play its game. They just have to pound the football, pound the football, and finish uh, the ball in the red zone and, and, and you know, mm-hmm. no takeaways. What do you think? Sweet. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. The winning, Absolutely. That's the key to winning. We're going to uh, end it. it here. This was our, our <laughs> uh, you know, every, we have our Wednesday podcast uh, midweek for Iowa football. We're also going to have the basketball podcast later today. Uh, I can't wait to do that. I mean, people really enjoy the basketball podcast. Uh, so, uh, listen, folks, this is a big game on Friday. I hope you guys enjoy it. I know more Iowa fans, if Iowa wins on Friday, will start getting into the season more because what happens is when Iowa loses, Iowa fans kind of disappear. But when Iowa starts winning, they get back into it. I mean, that was really the case last season when, uh, you know, after Iowa you know, had lost to Michigan, Penn State, and then all of a sudden they go on this winning streak and, you know, they have a 10-win season. So, um, you know, and that's all right. That's just, that's usually how fans are anywhere. So this is a big game uh, and we're going to be all over it. We'll have the pregame show on Saturday, excuse me, on Friday. I'm going to have the pregame show, uh, which will be fun. It'll be fun doing it on a Friday on a work week. Um, And I'm excited about this. Dean, any last words? Amen, brother. Yep, amen, no, brother. Let's throw Minnesota, Minnesota down the down. down the well. Make them go one and three. And uh, the, Iowa, this will be a positive move in the right direction, getting back to five hundred, and still weirdly being in the hunt 
depending on what happens this Saturday, being in the hunt for, you know, at least getting second or even maybe still first in the Big Ten West. It's still far away, but it's still there. I would need to keep this game, this uh, season just game by game. Listen, folks, do that. Don't be a pussy girl. And facts are the feelings. Your feelings don't matter. Go to 247hawkeye.com and go Hawks. Love y'all. Bye.